Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew that, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've always just chased things that interested me and, um, you know, wanted to, I mean, you, you don't really, you can't really find your passion without, you know, tasting things. Right. So it's like, you just chase your interests and, you know, um, and see if it's, you know, something that you really want to pursue or not. You got to put in the time, you got to put in the work really. Great. I'm taking that as the intro. Everyone, how's it going? My name is Jared. I'm with the Halt Resume Podcast. I have Maya Lee with me. He's a consistent five fig club member in day trading. What's going on, man? What's up, dude? What's happening? So I want to thank you for doing this because, as you said, you don't do many podcasts. Um, so again, just thank you for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. And Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Uh, so let's go a little bit into your backstory. Who are you? Uh, I don't need your childhood or anything, but like, what got you to where you are today? What got me here today? Um, I mean, I would have to say ever since I was a kid, I mean, I didn't really grow up with money. So ever since I was a kid, I just, you know, that's kind of what interested me, um, you know, just to pursue, you know, things that would uh, make me money, really. Um, I, I mean, obviously, chasing money isn't a good thing. Um, I took me a while to learn that, but got me here today just the hustle and grind of of uh just trying to uh get ahead in life really that's that's what got me where i'm at so um i would say it all i mean it started whenever i was a kid i i, I was i got a job whenever i was like 13 years old uh they were just paying me cash and um so i started working pretty early um like i said i didn't grow up with money my parents didn't really buy us anything i had to pay for all my stuff up and pretty much paying for everything since I was 10 besides like food and, you know, a place to live. Right. Um, but I would say whenever I was in college, you know, we spoke about this before. Um, whenever I was, uh, in college, you know, everyone kind of falls into that trap where you, you go into school and they're, they're teaching you to get good grades. So you go into college, get good grades in college, so you can get a degree and then get a job, you know, and, and then work for whoever. And, you know, while I was in college, I, I just didn't ever see myself doing that. It just yeah. didn't feel like me. So I dropped out of college and um, I moved to Texas. I'm originally from St. Louis. I moved to Texas. The reason I did that is because one of my good buddies that I grew up with, um, he lived here and he was in sales. And I was about 21, 22 at the time. And, you know, he's making a lot of money and, you know, at 22, 21 years old, when you're making over six figures, uh, that's, that's a good amount of money. So whenever I was in college and I saw that he was doing that, I was like, man, I got, I got to see what this is all about. So I moved to Texas and I got into sales and, um, he just kind of taught me the ropes. So I kind of had like a little mentor, even though he's my best friend, um, you know, kind of taught me how to sell and I sold cars. I worked at a dealership. So I did that for about a year and a half and I got really good at it. Um, I made like 50 K my first year, which wasn't bad. And I made like 80 K the next year. Um, and then I got promoted to finance. So I was a finance manager and then uh, that's when I started making six figures. So I, uh, the first six figures I made was, uh, when I was 23 and I did that for many years. Um, and I had a blast. I mean, sales is, 
it's a lot of fun and it's a great skill to have because you can use it in many different aspects, uh, not just in sales itself. Like if you're trying to sell a product or a service, it, it bleeds into all aspects of your life. Um, that's, I think, um, you know, a good skill to have. But um, I forgot where I was going with this. So you were in sales. You, uh, yeah, were, you know, you got your first six big. Oh year yeah, yeah. In your life. I had my six figure year, and um, you know, I actually started trading at that time. I didn't, I didn't know much about trading. Um, I'll go into that little story uh, quick. It, there's not too much to tell, but one of the guys that was a sales guy with me, I was still selling cars before I got promoted. Uh, there was this old man, um, you know, selling cars, and the majority of the sales guys were like. Um, you know, in their like 30s and stuff. Um, and there was like an old guy who's like 50 something years old and he's selling cars with us. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And he wouldn't talk much. And, you know, we would eat lunch and stuff sometimes together. And um, he was always on his phone, like looking at the stock market. And, and I was, you know, I started asking him some stuff. Well, I found out that this guy previously owned a hedge fund. Um, and he did some illegal things. He went to prison. He ended up getting out like, seven years later and nobody would hire him because he's a felon so that's where he got a job at at a car dealership <laughs> so i'm sitting there you know like eating lunch with this guy and he just started picking his brain about the the stock market and um and you know he told me at the time he was like you should start trading you know he's like i know you don't know anything about it but you should start he's like you're really young he's like you can lose all your money and you're still really young you you have the rest of your life to get it back but if you can learn this skill he goes, then, you know, you can make ungodly amounts of money. And I was like, okay. So I, I just started trading like, uh, in the mornings while I was selling cars. So we didn't have to go into the office till like nine and I would just, uh, get up in the morning and I would look at pre-market and then, you know, watch the open for like 30 minutes. And maybe I'd take a couple positions and I was buying big caps at the time. I would buy like AMD and I own Facebook and, and it was still down in the teens and, um, I would just hold them for like a week or a month or whatever, and then sell it for, you know, like a $200 profit or whatever it was. And, um, so I just started learning and, um, I would do that, you know, before I went to go, uh, you know, work at, uh, sell, selling cars. So that's whenever I first started trading. And, um, eventually it got to the point when I was in the car business, uh, I just kind of got tired of it. I had a lot of things going on in my life at the time. And uh, it was kind of a bad point, and I needed a change of scenery. So I decided to leave the car business and get a job at a different sales uh, profession. And um, so I was, I was selling water treatment systems for a short period of time. But it was great for me because we didn't work till 3 or 4 o'clock in the day. So I had pretty much the whole day to do whatever I needed to do. That's whenever I was you know, uh, still kind of trading a little bit, even though I had blown up like two accounts at that time. Uh, trading small caps and OTCs. Um, I started getting into drop shipping and um, I would drop ship products from Alibaba's website and put it on my site and sell it through, you know, like Facebook ads and uh, Instagram ads, uh, stuff like that. Um, I, I was mainly doing that because, you know, I, it, I, it, I thought it was very interesting and I thought there was, a, you know, a big demand for this type of a market. You know, I figured it was easy. I don't have to make the product. I don't have to sell a service, anything. I can just buy a product for cheap and then resell it for more. Basically, just be the middleman for the distributor and 
um, you know, the, the person buying the product. So I was doing that. I was trading and working that job and I was just kind of, you know, hustling really and trying to figure out where I was headed. I was probably 26 or 27 at the time. And I got to the point where I decided, you know what, um, I'm going to stop doing the drop shipping. I'm going to stop my job and I'm just going to focus on trading. Um, I sold my house. Uh, my, I bought a house when I was 23. So I had it for about three years at that time. And I had a bunch of equity at the, uh, at the moment. Cause here in Austin, the, it's, it's crazy. Like the, the housing market just goes, keeps going up. Well, at that time it jumped up like 50% in like two years. And I thought, what are the chances of it jumping another 50% in two years? So I, I, I thought it's very unlikely that that would happen. So I should probably take the money now. So what I did was I sold my house. I stopped drop shipping. I quit my job. And then I just took a whole year off of trading and focused on, um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I just took a whole year off and just focused on trading all, all by itself. So I had a bunch of money in the bank and I just decided, you know what, I, I can either make money trading. Um, and if it doesn't work in a year, well, then I'll get ba back to another job because I have plenty of money to sit back on. Um, and I traded that whole year, um, didn't make any money. <laughs> it was like 2016, I think it was. And, um, and then I got, I went back to the car business, the same dealership that I used to work at. And I decided, um, you know what, I, I want to keep continuing pursuing trading because I know this is going to work long term. I just need, I just need more time. So I contacted the GM and I said, hey, I'll, I'll come work for you guys again, but I'm not going to work anything earlier than, you know, 4 p.m., which is market close uh, for, or an hour after market close where I live. So yeah. it took me about a month for me to convince him to do that. But once he said yes, uh, then that's what I did. I traded during the day and then I would go into my job at night and I would stay there till like 11, 12 o'clock at night, uh, sometimes 1 p uh, 1 a.m. And then uh, get back up in the morning and trade. And I just kept doing that uh, until I was bringing in about double the amount that I was in the car business. Uh, so okay. So you, during that time when you were trading and working you got down at least a strategy that made you profitable enough yeah right? yeah i was really close at that time like i i mean at that at that moment i probably had close to three years experience trading and i knew i was getting close i just wasn't all consistent i i wasn't able to manage risk properly still so I, even though i was making money i would still have like that one loss that would like take out all my gains you know, okay. so I, I didn't know how to manage risk properly. I knew I was getting very close to that moment, um, but I, I knew I still needed a little bit more time. Uh, so so that's why I took that whole year off and told myself, hey, I'm going to take a whole year lot, all year off and I'm just going to focus on trading. And I sat in my computer for like 15, 16 hours a day, every day, uh, even on the weekends. And I just did that for a full year and um still wasn't profitable. So I stuck to my, you know, promise to myself and I said, okay, now I got to get a job. You know, I'm, I'm still not profitable in a year. I got to get a job. So, um, I think it's important having money coming in, you know, while you're learning to trade, uh, because you know, it, it takes a lot of time. And if you want to learn to trade properly, I think it's most important to not try and make money in the market, but more like, uh, focus on 
you know, good trading itself because the money will follow good trading. But if you're not having a secondary source of income and now you're thinking, oh, I got to make money because I got to pay my mortgage or my rent or whatever it is or a car insurance, you know, whatever payments, uh, then you're going to be forcing trades. You know, you're going to be focusing on the wrong thing while you're trading and it's going to make it more difficult. So no, I, I agree there. Yeah. So that's, that's what I did. I basically just took a year off, focused on trading, still wasn't profitable. And, and at that point I just focused on managing risk. And if I could manage risk, cause I, I knew how to make money. I just didn't know how to keep it. So at that point I just focused on risk. And then I told myself if I can bring in double the amount of income that I am uh, at my job uh, for a full year, uh, then I'll go ahead and quit and I'll just trade. So I, I did that the following year and then I've just been, yeah, trading since. Living your life since. It's, it's a good, good little uh, way to go about it. I think uh, one of the biggest things or biggest takeaways from what you just said is um, having that extra source of income or not even like forcing trades, but having that worry that you have bills to pay and you have to pay it with this income and you don't have like a backing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important. Um, you know, too many people that have never traded before, they, you know, they come into the market, they see people making, you know, big gains, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever, hundred grand in a day. And they think, oh, I can do this. And they're probably right. They probably could do it. They just don't know how long it's going to take. You know, for some people, you know, they, they can catch on in six months. Some people, it takes some years. It took me years. You know, some people, uh, they just never catch boat. on. You know, some people just never catch on to it. Maybe it's just not for them. You know, that's. That's another thing to keep in mind is I think if you want to be a successful trader, you have to have a passion for trading. You know, you can't be chasing money. You have to actually enjoy it. You know, I enjoy Until trading. You say a passion. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Better than what I say. I call it an addiction. Addiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try to, uh, if anybody ever talks to me about trading, um, I tell them the mindset of two things. One, do you like video games? If you like video games, especially multiplayer games, this is the best game of all time. You're playing against people with billions of dollars. True. Good luck. Um, if you don't like games uh, and you still have an idea that you like this thing, the idea is to go in expecting if you can break even, you're already the be you're already better than a lot of people. Uh huh. I agree. And um, I think your story kind of showed that, right? You were saying you yeah. know you lost all your gains in one bad trade. Well, once you managed that, now you're living a comfortable life i would say yeah i'm pretty comfortable at this point i mean i'm i still have a, a long way to go from where i would like to be in life and you know my my end goals um and even if i ever get there um, i'll probably make new goals at that point too so yeah i'm living pretty comfortably but um yeah i would i would like to get you know a lot more <laughs> <laughs> well you it's a good thing you have a goal to get to right once you get to the aspect, and we talked about it before, but just overall financial freedom, whether you're working, you love your job, or whether you don't need to work and you make a comfortable living, you having no goals is not going to really uh, give you motivation to keep moving forward with your life. Yeah, and and goals outside of you know uh, financial goals is is important too. You know, I, I, th I think um, it, it's not all. It's not just about money. You know, it's about you know, how good your, you know, friendships are and, you know, relationships with like family and friends. And, and uh, you know, if you're taking care of your body, you know, you, there, there's many goals that you can have that I think are very important and actually helps you uh, with what you're trying to pursue, you know, um, 
uh, financially because uh, it, it clears your mind. You know, you're not uh, leaving anything behind. You know, if, if you're if your life is good outside of, you know, where you're making your money, then that gives you the the mental energy to focus on, you know, your whatever your job is or, you know, your career, um, you know, and uh, capitalize a lot more. So. Agreed. I think uh, the gym is my, one of my favorite things to do back when I was trading full time before bills came up or mm-hmm. even now after working, going to the gym and just getting that like mind off of everything that happened and just focusing on something else is one of the best things i would say golf is the best thing uh i get angry at it so i can't (laughs) yeah no golf is great i play a lot of golf and um it's it's very similar to trading you know it's a very mental game it's i think it's one of the best sports because anybody can play it you know uh, it doesn't matter if you're athletic or not tall you know uh, short um guy girl it doesn't it really does not matter whatsoever anybody can play the sport and um it, it's you know such a mental game that it, it it's it's just great it's so much fun yeah. uh, agreed if you're as long as you don't get angry at yourself during it i think that's what my key takeaway from it you know um i've been playing golf since i was 15 i'm 31 and i realized that if you just go out there and have fun you actually play better like you have to expect that you're going to hit a bad shot uh, you know, you're not Tiger Woods, you're not, you know, Phil Mickelson, you're not some of these really good guys on tour, you know, you're going to hit a bad shot. So when that bad shot happens, it's just, you know, brush it off and go to the next shot. And it's like, if you just have fun, you actually score a lot better because it's like, you're not letting yourself get inside your head to where now you messed up two shots in a row or whatever it is. So, but I know you get what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing you take that uh, mental approach the same way when you are trading or any business investment or anything, really. You know, there's going to be ups and downs. And I think, for sure. I, I'm assuming you take that. Oh, 100%. I mean, I know whenever I'm getting into trade, there's a possibility that I can lose X amount of dollars and I, I don't have any emotion attached to that. You know, it's either going to have the, either the trade works or it doesn't. And um, so if it doesn't, then, you know, I just cut the loss and it is what it is. And, you know, you just move on to the next play, the next setup, whatever it is. So, and, and maybe that's that same setup or that same stock is setting up like the same day or, or soon after you just, you know, happen to be earlier, um, you know, just entered in the wrong spot. So yeah, you can't have any emotion attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's a better way. Um, before we dive super deep into the trading aspect of your life, since that's, what most people uh, tend to know you for. A little background on how I even got to know who you were. Uh, joined Matt as Money. Um, saw you were a consistent member of the Five Fig Club. Um, and just started following, trying to see what you did, watch your webinar, so on and so forth. Um, realized, super cool. Super cool, like really relaxed guy, which is, I think, one of the better aspects of things. I don't, you know, you have those people that are overly hyper aggressive or anything um when it comes to trading not necessarily aggressive but like overly loud Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're a really laid-back person like just barely chat almost in there um yeah i really i really really chat in in his room uh max is a friend of mine i knew max before he had his room and um so i didn't um yeah i I didn't have any intentions going in there and just you know talking I mean, that's not really my thing. I just focus on myself. I just focus on my trading. 
so I, I mean, I joined the room and, um, you know, I'm in there basically to support my friend. So, um, I'm not there to Great teach or, yeah, I'm not there to teach or do anything like that. I just, sometimes I'll announce my positions. It's, it's rare. Uh, I usually don't announce it until after I'm out, but I, I really only post in there like once a week, maybe. So, yeah, but I do I get a lot of questions. For... Huh? Oh, I I'm, I would generally assume you get a large amount of questions. Uh, yeah, we talked about it before. Yeah, I get when a lot get of questions people. from those guys, and and I'll you know I I try and help out as much as possible and answer some questions. Some things I just can't answer. You know, it's just not it's not my uh, type of play or whatever it is. Um, so you know, I I try and help out as much as possible. So yeah, but it's I, a good I'm... group of guys there. Oh yeah, no. Um, out of experience of. The multiple chat rooms I've joined, whether bad or good, Madass is uh, one of the more friendly, inviting. Like, you could be a beginner and join there, but also the experienced people. I mean, you, you people are in there with experience. It's not like one person. Yeah, Max is a hell of a trader too. I mean, um, he, I, I've learned a lot from him just from little, just little things, little things that I could make small adjustments in my trading that have you know helped me drastically. Um, you know, he's got a lot more experience than I do. He, I've been trading for maybe six years. If you, I mean, some of those years were part-time. So it's like, yeah, six years total. And he's been trading for like 10 years. So, um, you know, he's got a lot more experience. Sometimes I consider myself a, a you know, a good tape reader, a good level two reader. Um, but whenever I listen to him, sometimes, you know, he'll catch things that I completely miss. And I'm like, you know, like, dang, like, how did he even see that? And I'll go back and I'll rewatch it and think, man, wow, he's, you know, and then, I, you know, just pick up little, little things here and there. So I'm even learning every day, even though, you know, I, I do pretty well at trading, um, but well you know, I, you always have to try and improve. There's always areas to improve on. So yeah, Max is a hell of a trader. He's very good. Um, you truly are just a humble person. <laughs> Why do you say that? I'm... Oh, I do pretty well. I do. I mean, I do pretty good. I mean, I know a guy. I know people that make you know make me look like I'm making pennies. That's why I say I'm I'm doing pretty well. Like if you compare me probably to the average trader, I'm you know probably blowing them out of the water, right? But if you compare me to yeah. the, like some of the guys I know, um, you know, it's just pennies to the dollar. You know, they they they're killing it. Um, so I I would like to get to that point at one you know one point in my life. So that's that's kind of like the end goal. That's that's fair in all aspects of everything there. When you just say that like pretty well, you look at like the average retail trader and you are blowing the average retail trader out of the water. Yeah, I'm probably I'm doing doing better than yeah, the average trader, that's for sure. I mean I'm up uh about one point five million this year. But I was I was trying to hit two. I don't know if I'll hit it. I didn't trade in January, so I'm actually uh, only ten months in. So I, wow. I took a vacation Good. off in uh, January. I had some things to do, and so I uh, I didn't trade in January. So I've just been basically trading from February on this year. But I mean, if, if your setups come in, um, I think you're you're gonna be fine with it. Yeah, yeah. I that's the thing. It's it's long it's long term game. You know, that's the whole thing about trading. It's it's not about how much you make in a day or. You know, a month or a year, it's how much you make over 20 years, you know. Oh, man, you're talking uh, a lot further than what I look at with a long-term game. I think a long-term game for me is more 
I want to say investments, uh, mm-hmm. things that can make me a lot more passive money rather than things that can make me upfront money. Where in trading, in my opinion, that's a large amount of money upfront that I can make. But I, I and don't get me wrong, I'll probably still do it 20 years from now. It's, like I said, it's an addiction. But I think long-term gains are something that like I don't even have to do anything and I can make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you talking about like passive income? Is that what you're... Preferably passive income, uh, whether it's through investments in the stock market with dividend payouts or mm-hmm. owning or investing in businesses and getting money back from that or real estate, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and that's just, like I said, my preference. I don't know what your preference of long-term is. I mean, if your long-term preference is to have 20 million sitting in a bank account, day trading is one of the, as long as you understand your risk and manage it well, one of the better ways to get there, I would say. Yeah, for, um, I, I don't know about better. I think it's good to diversify once you do get enough capital. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're if you have fifty thousand dollars and that's all you have, then you know you you got to start somewhere and kind of. I don't think it's good to diversify with such a small, you know, account. I think once you get to much bigger numbers, you know, seven figures, then now you can start diversifying a little bit. Maybe you're you know putting a hundred grand in Tesla and plan to hold that for you know five years or ten years. And then maybe buy some real estate, um, you know, buy, you know, say a house or a condo or something that you can rent out and maybe flip in five, 10 years and make a profit, you know. Uh, so I think diversifying in that aspect is, you know, good, but uh, I think it's much harder to do when you have, a, you know, a sm- much smaller uh, capital to play with, obviously. Uh, I think whenever you have smaller capital, you should focus on one thing and perfect that or at least make a killing in that area to where you can start branching out more because if you spread yourself thin uh, it's it, that's just like trading in itself like say in in the you know before the market opens there's you know 10 tickers that you're looking at and it's like well you're probably not going to trade all 10 and if you do maybe you're only, you're only going to capitalize on like maybe one of those trades so it's better to focus on maybe one or two uh stocks instead you know, and then nail those plays and you can make a lot more because you're focused more on that. So if you have small capital, you know, focus on, you know, one thing until you grow that. Now you can diversify a little bit and throw some money at different areas where you can, you know, grow some passive income or, um, you know, grow, you know, maybe a long-term investment, whatever it is. I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. If anything, um, like, I, I mean, I said long, long term. I'm talking when I'm 50 at 26. But, mm-hmm. I mean, in your aspect of things, yeah, you, you don't spread yourself thin. I think that's um an area where you're going to hurt yourself more than help yourself. Yeah, it, it, it will just, I mean, I know that a lot of people want to get rich quick, right? And there's no such thing as getting rich quick. But if you want to do it a faster Lottery. way, yeah, then you got to be smart with the money. You know, uh, live well below your means. I mean, I don't. I live in a condo. It's eight hundred dollars a month. You know, I have um, a car or two cars that are you know paid off. Like I'm not really living beyond my means. Like I only spend maybe you know thirty grand a year for living expenses. So uh, I think that's very important. It's like a lot of people want nice and cool things, right? Um, but <laughs> it's best just to wait to get it. You know, I waited I don't know about four or five years to to buy you know, the car that I wanted, uh, even though I probably could afford it at that time, but it's, it's smarter to, to wait it out and, you know, build more capital and live below your means. You know, nobody talks about saving money. Um, everyone talks about, you know, 
say getting loans or doing this and investing here, investing there. Well, nobody talks about living with uh, very small means. Like say if you make 50K, live as if you made, you know, 30K and uh, save that money, put it to the side so you can use it, you know, so you can use it to make yourself more money, you know, hold off on buying the the brand new BMW, you know, and, uh, um, you know, hold off on buying like your dream house, you know, uh, at an earlier age, if it, if it's going to break the bank, you know, uh, it's, it's smarter to put that money to use or save it. And then whenever you do drop the cash on something that you're really, you know, waiting to buy, it's not near of a, a burden to you financially. No, I, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think coming out of college with the debt that I have, um, not going into debt is my number one priority. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of things now it's, you know, it's okay to go into debt. You're going to make it later on in life, but then it comes down to the happiness in your life and true having that overwhelming, that looming sensation of, I got a car bill to pay. I get a house bill to pay. I got my student loans to pay. I have insurance. I have all these other things. That's not a happiness in a life. I mean, you can get some days that come out as happiness, but the moment I paid my car off, I, I had just, weight lifted off of my shoulders <laughs> yeah and getting that title in the mail with your name on it I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, feeling, I straight man. up i don't have to pay x amount of dollars a month now that's just my money yep and i also knowing that i'm not going to pay an, a large amount extra on interest it's not a large amount but i'm still paying interest rate i don't have an interest on it now mm-hmm. yeah well i so. mean I was, when i was in the car business and i did finance you know i, I learned a lot about credit and you know loans and all kinds of things it's it's a uh, it's crazy how you know people live i mean i'd say the majority of the people that came into that dealership and it wasn't like a used car dealership or anything we sold brand new cars um you know the majority of the people had less than two thousand dollars in their savings or checking you know and they're buying a car then they're getting a payment that's like four or five hundred dollars like that's uh that's crazy to me you know um i, I think you know if anything they should be buying like the the $10,000 car and having like, you know, the $200 payment or $150 payment, you know, it's not something that's going to be, you know, a financial burden if, you know, maybe they don't, or if they miss work or get hurt or whatever that may be. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy, but no, I, I agree. Yeah. I living below I'm... your means. Very important. Yeah. Very, well, very important. So you said the car business, um, funny enough, not funny as more of a sad thing that happened you know over the pandemic and everybody lost their jobs um apparently more cars were bought like in during that time because of the stimulus checks and like in, in a shorter amount of time than usually it normally happens it would make sense yeah and that terrifies me it, it would make sense because uh every year around like april uh like march and april those were some of the biggest months in the car business because uh people would get their tax returns and they'd come in and they just drop their whole tax return on down payment on a car, you know, and they're making, you know, two grand, $2,500 a month. And now they just got, you know, say four grand and a tax return. And they're like, oh, I'm going to buy this $30,000 car. And, and, you know, that's, that's basically their whole year uh, salary on, on one vehicle. That's so, terrifying. It is. That's, that's reality. That's, you know, the average American really. Well, eh. Average American, I think, is the right way to put it. I don't know. I granted, I don't live in other countries. I only can understand what I read about other countries. But uh, America is an interesting place. My favorite way of putting it. 
Yeah, get in debt, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go to school nine to five. When you're sixty, you can enjoy your life. That's uh, that's America at its finest. No, um. So now that we've touched on a lot of the backstory and especially your mental game, which was one of the favorite things to touch on, um, uh, let me ask you a question that I think a lot of very new traders are would be curious about. Why are you a generally short bias trader? Um, it just comes easier to me. That's all. I can just um, I can see the moves more clearly uh, when you know the trend is changing uh, for the short side or the back side versus uh, how I can see it on the long side. Uh, sometimes the longs, you know, they they take a little while to set up. And, you know, there sometimes they can be even grindy, but some of those are the best longs out there. But it's it's hard for me to see those type of moves versus uh, seeing where the short entries are. I can I can see those a lot more clear. So I was kind of drawn to that. I mean, I started shorting uh, whenever I first started trading, um, whenever I whenever I first started trading, I blew up my first account whenever I was trading OTCs. I longed a OTC. I still remember uh, the ticker symbol was PRTN. It was only like 45 cents at the time and uh, it kept popping up to like 60, 70 cents and then dropping back out to 40. And I was thinking, you know, I, me being a noob, I'm thinking, man, if I just drop like my whole account at like 45 cents and then hold this to like 60, I can make like, you know, four grand or whatever, you know? And I was like, I was thinking I can, I can bank on this. So I just put in an order, my whole account to order to fill at like 45 cents or 43 cents, whatever it was. And it was a pump. It was a pump and dump. I didn't know. You know, I was still a noob. And um, the day that it filled my order, it never came back up. It just kept dropping. It went all the way down to 15 cents. And then I ended up selling at like 13 or 12 cents or something. Basically lost my whole account. Uh, I only had like $500 left or something. And um, uh, so that's whenever I first started getting into shorting because I went back to the dealership. I, I told you, I met that guy who first told me how to, you know, uh, trade and like get into trading. It's funny. He's a market maker now. He's, he's, um, he, he's I, back, I, I, like, full yeah, business he's, wise? yeah, he's a market maker for, uh, I won't say the, the broker, but he's a market maker and, um, I still keep in contact with him. We'll, we'll shoot the shit sometimes. And, um, but that's whenever he first started telling me, he goes, I said, dude, I lost all, almost all my money on this trade. Look at this. And I was showing it to him and he goes, oh, he goes, dude, that's a pump and dump. You got to short those. And I said, what, what does that even mean? And he's like, oh, well, you know how you can buy the shares and hold it. You know, you sell it higher. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you can short it and then cover your position lower and you make money. And I thought, what? Okay. Well, that's interesting. So that's, that's whenever I first started getting into shorting and, and, that's whenever I really just kind of focused on it because I could actually see those moves a lot easier from then on. You know, I just let the stock run and then I'm thinking, okay, like, yeah, it's it's pretty much done at this point. Like, it can't go any higher. And then I would just short it. And so that's that's where it all started whenever I got into shorting. It was just easier for me to see. I had a hard time playing long. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, that's fair. I think um... – just from reviewing your charts, one one key takeaway is um, you don't try to find a top. Yeah, I don't really care to catch a top. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's fun. It's cool whenever you do. But it, I don't really care to catch a top because, you know, you don't have to catch a top to make money. Um, and you don't have to catch the top to, 
you know, uh, be right in the trade. I would rather wait for confirmation. Like I do catch the tops a lot, but not that I'm trying to. It's more like I see the tape turn and I know that there's probably like an 80% chance that this is the top. So I'll just start in a small position. And then once it confirms, then I'm loading up. And, yeah. you know, then I just start, then I know, okay, like, um, this is where I should really have been entering, you know, waiting for this spot, but it's okay. Like I knew that there was a high chance that that was the top anyway. So that small entry is, you know, not a big deal. So well, usually if you see, size. yeah, if you see, if you see my charts and you'll see like a top tech entry or something, it's, it's usually on small size. The only time I really add size is on confirmation because I'm not trading small size a lot of the times. So, you know, I don't want to get in size and be guessing and then be wrong and then take a big loss. So. I, I agree that I, a lot of this is you're going to have those people that, um, I don't know how I want to put them. I guess your Twitter followers, um, your social media followers, mm -hmm. they're going to see like your chart here. I mean, your chart is large amounts of arrows and you're up at towards the top or you even started early and they're like, Oh, how'd you notice this? And, uh, I remember reading one of your comments and it was like, this is a starter size. I was full size after the fact. And I'm like, that, that right there is the takeaway. Nothing else, like not your chart, not anything. You waited for your confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Waited for confirmation. That's, I mean, sometimes I do start in early. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, sometimes there's just fake outs, right? And sometimes yeah. I do get in a little early, but I'm not loading size until I know for a fact that, you know, this is going to work. And what I mean by know for a fact is the odds are like anywhere from 70, 80, 90% chance that the trade will work. So, okay. yeah, I, 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 I mean, I tracked all everything that I do. I've, I did it for years. I've got spreadsheet after spreadsheet. So, I mean, I, I, I don't really track anymore. I've kind of gotten it down. It's all in my head. But I know that, um, you know, at certain setups or certain moments, you know, the odds are X or, you know, and uh, that's going to determine, you know, my risk or e even if I even want to trade it. So, yeah, okay. but I'm not, um, I'm not loading size till, till I get confirmation or the odds are very, very high. Which it, it's the right way to do it, right? You don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to be. If I'm long, I don't want to be buying something that's at the very top and mm -hmm. expecting it to go higher. To me, that's two percent chance or something if it's going to go up. But like if I buy at support, I'm like, cool. I got like a twenty cent risk, and I can have like a fifty cent profit. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot better on that aspect. In your end, you're like, okay, this thing is at resistance. It's got all this overhead resistance. It should probably go down somewhere around here, and you just wait for it to go down and whether you bid slam or whether you just wait for it to pop back up after it failed. You know, I think shorting there is probably the right way to do it. Now, you, like I said, from watching the webinar you had and everything, you have a lot more that goes into it than just oh, yeah. something there's, that simple. There's a lot more. There's there's <laughs> a lot more. It's not just, you know, a tape read. The, see, a lot of people think that, um, you know, I get a lot of those questions on, say, Twitter, or, you know, social media, or even in Discord, or, you know, they're asking me, well, you know, how do you know it's the top? What are you looking for on the tape? And it's like, well, the, the only thing I'm using the tape for, or like level two in tape, is just my entry. I'm not using that for any other thing. Everything else has to line up first. You know, the chart has a setup uh, as far as the technicals, you know, the volume does, the percentages, uh, the like the move itself. Um, you know, uh, did I say the time? Yeah. No, you did not. Oh, say time. time. Like uh, time is very important too. People don't even consider that. Like how long did it take 
you know, stock to get um, to, you know, this price? Or how long did it take to get to this price? You know, that's that's something people, you know, don't really consider. They uh, So it's, there's a lot of aspects and it. it's not just level two and tape. It's the technicals, it's the volume, it's the time, it's the percentages, it's, it's everything. Uh, it's fundamentals, if you really want to go into that, um, you know, whether the stock has news, uh, what the size of the float is, like the possibilities, um, float rotation. There's, there's so many things that go into it. So it's, it, when people ask me those questions like, hey, what are you looking for on the tape to know it's the top? It's like, well, it's, it's not that easy. I'm just using the tape in level two just for my entries. Like I've already decided that XYZ, uh, you know, has already lined up on all of those other aspects that I'm just using the tape in level two for my entry at that point. So um, as a personal question, do you actually like manually figure out float rotation? I could never do that. Manually figure it out? I guess like this can like say it's a million share float sure and you've seen 10 candles that have 200,000 shares traded in the minute like are you just like okay this is this is like rotated float twice of course yeah i'm always looking god no yeah of course i'm always watching volume i want to know you know um neo i mean neo the other day nio right um on friday that was um that was a cool one to watch uh the volume is very important on nailing those trades uh so um yeah i pay attention to that all the time you know that's that's very important in my opinion yeah volume has a lot to do with it volume can tell you a lot in certain key areas oh agreed um i just want to say thank you thinkorswim for having custom indicators i cannot manually put that in my head float rotation i've struggled so long for that and i'm just impressed that you're like well, what are you saying exactly? I, I think what you're asking is if I'm like paying attention to like each volume candle, like how many. Or are you paying attention to like float rotation, I guess? Like how many times has the float rotated? Of course. Yeah. Be, I mean, before I even, um, you know, trade the stock, I, I mean, I know what the float is and I'm paying attention to the volume throughout the day and I'm and I'm paying attention to the volume on certain candles as well. So, yeah, I, um, I, I, that's a learning point for me still, which is, it's always going to be learning, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it never stops. You know, every um, day you got to learn new stuff on in trading. It's it's just a never-ending game. You said it perfectly. It is a game, <laughs> whether people want it to be or not. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's always the best changing. game out there. I think that's really why I love it so much is because it's always challenging. You know, it's not the same thing over and over. Sure, you might see the same setups, but it's different from the last one. You know, um, it's it's not going to trade exactly the same. So. Um, you know, you're always learning new things and the algos change and the market shifts and maybe these plays aren't working anymore. And these are, it's, it's, it's never ending. The market that we have now is completely different from last year. And last year was completely different from the year before and then so on and so forth. It's, it's always shifting and, and changing and you have to adapt to it. It's always adaptation. Um, otherwise you'll, yeah, <laughs> otherwise it's I not mean, going to be easy. You'll blow your accounts up. I think. Yeah. Uh, anybody who's in this for the long run has blown up one account at minimum. Mm-hmm. I'm three accounts deep in my life. Uh, three accounts blown up, one account not blown up. I'm going to knock on wood. Well, my, my accounts, even though I blew up two, it really wasn't too bad. Um, it was only about like 22K total over those like three years that it took me to blow those two accounts. 
So it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And I think that's, you know, very important for, you know, any new traders that would, you know, be listening to this podcast. Um, they, they, they all, I mean, the majority of people want to get into trading, they want to make money, right? But if you just take the time to learn and just trade with small size, like there's no reason to take big hits and lose your cash while you're learning. You know, I always tell, you know, a lot of uh, newer traders, like trade with one share, you know, like who cares if it's like $5 a fee uh, for, you know, commissions um, or, you know, $5 per transaction, you know, for commissions. It's like, you don't know how to trade yet. So take the time to learn. Maybe you lose $10, maybe you lose $20, but it's much better than losing a hundred or 200 or, or even a thousand or 2000, whenever you can't afford that type of loss. So it's best to trade with small size and just take the time to learn. And then you can set yourself up whenever you are consistent. Now you start actually trading a little bit of size, you know, and you can, you know, start risking a little bit more, but until you know how to trade or at least know how to manage risk, then there's no reason to lose money while you're learning. You know, it's, it's going to make it very hard. You said it perfectly. Um, and then I think along with that, and it's something you, uh, at least from what I've seen, you tend to preach is, uh, know what your setups are and like do I don't want to say do your due diligence in the sense of like you see those people on Twitter say like this XYZ companies that's trading at two dollars and thirty cents is putting out some press release then the stock's gonna jump up thirty cents buy it now mm-hmm. but in the aspect of knowing what your setups are and knowing um what you look for and and looking into the stock the fundamentals like you said with time of day and everything yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it. Um, there's a big, um, I'm a firm believer in having like a solid core to your trading. Um, one is going to be, you know, uh, patience, right? You just mentioned it. Patience to rate, wait for the right setups. Having discipline to avoid all the other setups. Having discipline not to trade, right? Um, knowing how to manage risk, right? and uh and sizing properly and not to mention emotions emotions is probably the, one of the most important out of those but if you can have a solid core like that where you can be patient for the right plays have enough discipline to avoid all the the, the noise and and know not i mean know when not to trade um knowing how to manage risk and size properly and then last control your emotions um then i mean if you've got that core down then then you're set for success at, at that point it, it's just a, a matter of uh when not if uh you'll ever make it in trading <clears throat> that's a i guess a beautiful way of putting it there uh, the when not if i think was the key, key yeah there. i mean whenever i first got into trading i didn't see myself as a day trader i just thought this is fun like i had a blast i, I was addicted whenever i first started trading like i i couldn't get enough of it um but you know after losing some money that it hurts it stings and um but whenever i finally decided hey like this is what i love to do and this is what i'm gonna pursue i never had any doubts that i was ever going to be uh, a successful uh trader I, I never had any doubts whatsoever it was more like when it wasn't if i could do it it was more like when because uh something that i've learned and you know over the years as i've never lost when i bet on myself um you know i've anytime i've ever bet on myself i i mean i always win you know, it just comes down to hard work and dedication and, you know, putting in the time. So that's a great way of putting it. Um, so the last question involving trading, uh, at least that I, I really want to go over sure. um, 
and it's not a huge question, but um, you love your small caps more than mid-sized to large caps. Mm-hmm. Why? So I just find them a little bit more um, easier to trade. You know, they're a little bit more predictable. Whenever you get these big caps or uh, mid caps, it's not that they are untradeable. Like I, I do trade a lot of them still. I do trade uh, mid caps and large caps. Well, Neo was a mid cap. Yes, and they they need so the one thing the the main things and you probably saw it from my webinar the main things that are going to interest me in a stock is volume, volatility, and range. They have to have those three. Otherwise, I won't even look at the chart. I won't even look at it. It's just it's not even important to me. So as long as they have volume, volatility, and range, then I'm 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 looking to see you know what type of play this is if it's something that I'm even going to consider trading. So I don't care if it's a big cap, small cap, or mid cap. I'll trade it a law uh, as long as it has volume, range, and volatility. It has to have those three. So why I stick to um, small caps mainly? I probably trade more like 75, 80% of small uh, uh, of my trading goes into small caps, is because they are mainly volatile. You know, they they do get get a lot of volume, and um, you know they do have tons of range, um, but the moves are a lot more predictable than they are in you know, a mid cap or a big cap where you have, now you have the big players. Now you're getting not just, you know, one or two algos. Now you're getting multiple algos trading a stock. So they don't move as uh, uh, the same as a small cap, you know, where you're going to get a lot more retail um, traders or just people that don't know what they're doing. So um, the moves are a lot more predictable. They're a lot easier to see on, you know, uh, price action. So whenever you're trading a, a mid cap or a big cap, I mean, you, you really have to understand how that stock moves. You know, you have to understand how it reacts um, so, and, and for you to, you know, get an edge, or at least that's my opinion. Uh, from my experience, the only time that I've ever been consistent trading, you know, mid cap or big caps is because I've, I've had history trading that stock. I understand how it moves. I understand how, you know, it likes to trap in certain areas or whatever it is. And um, I'll wait for those moments. Um, you know, to take advantage of them. But if it's something I've never traded before um, and it does have, say, volume, volatility, and range, and I'm considering a trade, then I'm a little bit more hesitant to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more patient on my entries and I'm using, you know, a smaller size as well just because I'm not familiar with it. But Well, like, so you, you have a history of a stock where, I don't know if you've sworn it off completely personally, but... um not your tesla? favorite that has those three <laughs> you tesla. Say tesla? Yep. <laughs> yeah tesla is a different animal um it i don't think any other stock trades like it on on the market it's it's a it's like its own little animal um it doesn't PTR? it's it's very strange it does have volume volatility and range it has everything that i want right it's just very hard to read and it doesn't play by any of the rules uh support and resistance like doesn't exist on it i mean there there's times that it holds and there's times that it doesn't and then there's times that it should and it's kind of like when you're trading it you're thinking oh this is a long then you should probably go short and if you're thinking if it's a short then you should probably go long it it just doesn't uh play by the rules whatsoever so yeah i've I've cut that one out of my trading completely um it's it's a fun stock to trade but it's also very difficult and and i don't like to trade stuff that's so hard um some people can make you know make money on tesla and they do it consistently it's just not for me um, uh, that's uh that's a good thing i guess that you realized it 
and you were able to uh, be like, it's not worth it for me. I was going to say, it, it gives vol- volume volatility and range every day. Every day. It's yeah. Tesla. It's insane. It's the most insane stock, I think. It's crazy. Well, I mean, it's your mix of retail traders dumping their entire accounts. Yeah. I mean, hedge part, funds. Part of it, you know, is also, um, you know, it's it's probably the most shorted stock on the market. And not to mention the EV sector is very hot right now. So, yes. and it's been hot for many months. So um, that's that's definitely helping Tesla in that aspect. You know, it's, so hasn't always been this way, but uh, this this year is very different for sure. Well, you also get your random tweet from Elon that can either tank it or ramp it. <laughs> yeah right yeah he's never very good at doing CEO that do too that. you're talking about elon <laughs> yep never seen a ceo just be like ah shouldn't be this much you know the, people can diss on him but um i think it's i think he's uh, a crazy genius i think it's great how he tweets that type of stuff and he's almost got in trouble a couple times you know uh whenever he said that one tweet he said something about he secured funding and uh, it wasn't exactly true or it wasn't, you know, completed or something like that. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny. You, you're right. You never see a CEO do that or have so much influence on a stock the way that he does. Actually, and, let me rephrase it. Uh, you never seen the CEO be successful with their company and do that. Yeah. What, yeah. what was it? Uh, the CEO of like SRNE or something, don't short the stock, save your family? <laughs> yeah. Was, is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, SRNE. Yeah. The Nikola CEO is like, well, buy it now. It's like a valued stock or something. Yeah. Like, and and they don't have anything physically on the market to buy. It's like, fundamentally, you're trash mm-hmm. until you put something out there. For sure. So, I agree. I that is one thing that Tesla has over the others. Even though they aren't really making any money, they are, do have a product, and it's actually a very good product. I don't know if you've ever driven one, but they're fantastic. I have it. Uh, a Model Y or X is my dream car. Nice. Uh, unless. And it, a little fun fun story for me. Um, I own still like a little over 2,000 shares in NEO that I bought at like 330 mm-hmm. as a long-term investment because they actually have a product in China and they have government backing. Nice. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it's a cheap company. If I make like a dollar per share out of this, I'm a really happy cu- customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to give it like two, three, four years for anything to happen. Thank you, Tesla, for hyping up a sector. But it was that idea, hey, there's fundamentally, they're not the worst company out there. Yeah, China actually sells a lot of uh, EV cars. Uh, yeah, they sell they a lot. And uh, so, you know, that you're, I mean, you're seeing that right now in the market. A lot of, you know, Chinese tickers that have anything to do with the EV sector are, are running and they're running big. So, um, yeah, that was that was a good one on your on your part, for sure. And then I made a rant about Nikola. I, I hate that company. I hate that <laughs> oh man i almost feel bad because i was short that stock from 54 dollars, and then it tanked down to like what 20 something dollars and and like two days and i just thought man if i if i had just held this thing overnight but i don't like to swing any of my positions but well, i was swing short I, I don't know tz i know cobra doesn't have any fees i assume swing tz has fees for swing shorting um, yeah, I mean, uh, most brokers do, not all, um, but TZ, they have, right now they have five times the borrow fee overnight, and then I think it's two times every night after that, um, and then depends, you know, CP, it, it, sometimes um, they do, um, what is it, I think it just depends on the ticker, I've never swung with CP, so I really don't know, uh, but like, for instance, Cobra, they have zero overnight fees um, whatsoever, which is really nice, so that's like, if you're a swing trader, you know, that's the 
good broker to be with. Um, no overnight fees if you like to short. Um, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's uh, it, it comes down to preference too. Like you said, you don't like to hold overnight, so. Yes. Yeah, I don't like to hold overnight. Um, it's just not my thing. I used to whenever I was buying big caps. Whenever I first started, I would you know buy it and hold it for like a week and. You know, I was buying AMD when it was still at two dollars and like fifty cents, and I was selling it at Big four. And yeah, and I was making like two hundred bucks, and was so happy. And um, but yeah, I just stopped swinging uh, large caps because I wasn't really uh, consistently profitable with it. I probably broke even, or maybe just made a little bit. You know, I've, I've um, I really just focused on what I'm best at. You know, what I'm where I'm making the most money, and then. Um, not necessarily try and perfect that because I know I'm going to get better over time at it. Uh, from there, I just kind of eliminate what I'm bad at just slowly in elimination. We talked about Tesla. So I traded that for like almost two months, you know, and then I realized, you know what? I just can't trade this stock. So I just stopped trading it. So. And it's definitely mm-hmm. helped you out in uh, probably your mental game from not seeing the losses because even if you don't have emotion going into a trader, you understand your risk. Mm-hmm. Seeing red number hurts seeing a large red number hurts worse mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah in emotions is your worst enemy you know in trading so if you're taking a loss and you start getting emotional and then a different stock sets up the same day you know you're not going to be you know emotionally prepared for that to really you know execute it properly and you know take advantage of the move you know now you're worried more about losing money even on top of your all you know already unrealized loss um and, you know, you maybe use small size or you get in early and then, you know, it's just emotional wreck. So, yeah, emotions is probably the most important, you know, in, in my opinion. It's very important outside of, you know, risk management. Okay. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming. I don't want to hold you any longer if you got a busy day ahead of you. And I know you gave me a two-hour time frame, but go go prep for whatever. Go relax. Do whatever you need to. Sure. Happy to Happy to just have you on in all honesty. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, well, again, I mean, you, I would not be shocked if you get consistently asked for podcasts, and you picked my very small, humble one. I appreciate that more than anything. Yeah, yeah, you just, uh, you had good things to say, man, and and it just um, seemed like the better, you know, person to interview with. So I'm, I'm, I'm ha- happy to, to happy sell to help. Anything. I'm not, I'm not a salesman. That, that's you. That's all. It's <laughs> you. It's not me. Just a humble. If your computer breaks, man, just just hit me up. I can I can help you troubleshoot that. <laughs> I, I I put mine together, man. I'm a computer guy, so I. Just, okay, well then yeah. I'm useless. Okay, I'm gonna go sit in the corner now. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I appreciate you coming on. If you want to promote anything, uh, I know you don't like your social media, but in anything you want to promote, go for it for the two extra listeners that don't know um, you. You know, I'm not going to promote myself because I don't, I don't have a service. I don't, I don't have a room or anything. I'm not trying to sell anything, but I, you know, if you're, if you are listening to this podcast specifically because, you know, you're trying to uh, get better at trading or whatever it may be, I will help my buddy out, Max. I think he's one of the best teachers out there. Um, so if you are looking for a good room, that would be the place to go. Um, there are some other good rooms as well. Um, you know, there's probably three, uh, good rooms, but Max is one of those three, uh, mad as money. And, um, you know, um, yeah, if you're wanting to get good at trading or at least learn, that's a good place to start. I can vouch there. Uh, a plus setup in the washout long is in my bag. Mm-hmm. Love that. 
favorite thing and panic pop short, but I don't get locates at CMAG. So, sad life. Oh, you got to change brokers, man. Look, man, let me break PDT comfortably again, and then I'll be back. Okay? Yeah, you can do that. Uh, that that's, Just wait that's for the right key. setup. You'll, you'll break it faster than what you think. Just wait oh, for the God. right play. G-Tech was my setup for life. I didn't even trade it as, as I should have. That was the sad part. Oh, G-Tech? That was my 10-fig day. Oh, that's a good day, man. It's a really good day. Just, uh, it, was, it was a shocker day. It was one of those, I, I assume you get them, where you're not expecting to make like a killing, and you just have your setups, and they hit them, and then you realize later, like, oh, shit. It's a uh, really yeah, good day. I, I did that on Friday. I was yeah, you know, with Neo. Yeah. On, and, you, and you were just trading. It was one stock, right? Yeah, just Neo. That's it. All day. Um, the setup was good. I just, I honestly, I should have taken advantage of the short, but it's all good. Um, it was, it was a great play overall on both sides. So happy. Yeah, day. It's time for me to uh, rewatch your webinar. I just, I, I, while not learning from you or doing your exact trades, I think it's so more interesting overall for me to realize like this is what you look for. This is what Aldi looks for. This is what Max looks for. This is what Lucas looks for. This is what so many other people look for. And I'm like, holy shit. There are so many different styles. Yep. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, a lot of people want to, you know, look for the holy grail, and that's that's not realistic. It's, you know, y there's there's basic rules that I think every trader should follow. I think whenever I talked about the core, you know, having patience, discipline, you know, good risk management and controlling emotions, if you can have a good core, then, you know, then you just focus on what you're good at, and you make your own style. And, and if you can do that, then, I mean the the sky's the limit really so yeah there's so many ways to make money in the market you just got to find out where where you can do it consistently and focus on that i agree so i think i'll end it there happy to end it there um again appreciate you for coming on uh if possible when the whole market changes or when you decide to just ball out and hit like two million dollars a day love to have you back on <laughs> all right i'll do that then all right, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man.